The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast here uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, our weekly look at the local college basketball scene. This is Kevin McNamara alongside Bill Koch on a, jeez, uh, well, not a bad Friday afternoon. It's mid-40s, and I wouldn't say spring's around the corner, Bill, but we'll take it and run. We're feeling good. It's a yeah. bonus day, I would say, in the middle of New England winter. Bonus day. We're, we're both uh, home for the weekend. We'll get into that as we break down uh, a look at the surging Rhode Island Rams, a over-their-head-right-now Providence Friars in the midst of the toughest stretch of their schedule for the season. Another big game for Brown at home tonight. And Bryant uh, is on the road at Mount St. Mary's. So we're going to touch the bases on all four. And we're going to start with the red-hot roadie Rams, who are coming off a really impressive 77-55 win over Duquesne. Uh, so, Bill, I, I, not that anyone cares, but I'll give you what what uh, my life was on Wednesday. I'm in lovely Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I can't say that I know much of downtown Newark outside of the Prudential Center and the Amtrak station. Sure. Uh, It's only a few blocks apart, but I'm sitting there watching, getting ready to watch Providence play Seton Hall. And I turn on my little computer and uh, Duquesne is on all over Rhode Island in the first half, 38-30. And things were not looking good at all. So I have my little chicken finger or whatever uh, the Seton Hall people give the media pregame. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, like, boom, boom, the Rams flip the page and jump all over the Dukes. 47-17 in the second half. And this is a Duquesne team that came in undefeated in the Atlantic 10. Uh, Bill, you were there. How did they flip the switch like that? Well, one major factor was Cyril Angevine. Only played two minutes in the first half. He picked up two quick fouls. He played all 20 in the second half. Uh, and just his presence alone helped carry URI inside. Uh, Duquesne dominated glass in the first half. 25-15 to 15 on the boards. 14-2 to 2 in second chance points. Needless to say, when Cyril comes back in the game, all of that stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, URI picks up the intensity on the defensive end. They start to attack the rim at the other end. Uh, I think they had 28 points in the paint in the second half. Uh, it, it's just the physical tone that that guy can set. And the way that that gets into his teammates and, and the way that it lifts them. I think you saw a perfect demonstration of it for 20 minutes. So this is what happens uh, numerically in the second half. Uh <laughs> No shock. It was, again, I look at the play-by-play and it was Fats Russell layup, Fats Russell jumper, Fats Russell steal, Fats Russell layup. He had 15 points, three steals, four rebounds, and a three-point shot in the second half alone. Jeff Doughton makes three threes. This is all second half by himself. Three threes and 11 points. And Tyrese Martin goes seven points, seven rebounds. He ended up with a double-double of 13 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, you know, Cyril did play 20 minutes, in all honesty, is statistics-wise. Uh, the one stat that jumps out at me, Cyril Langevin, five second-half assists? Mm-hmm. 
Wow. I mean, that, that, that's not the surreal we, we know and love. Hey, he was proud of that one. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Uh, six points, two rebounds, but really five assists. Uh, maybe he's just kicking it out for jump shots for, for Fats and Jeff and, and Tyrese. But uh, just everything clicking. The Rams shoot nearly 60% from the field, 62%, five out of eight from the three-point line. Uh, you know, if you just want to bottle that and run, uh, Rams are back in action tomorrow yeah. at St. Bonnie. But, uh, you know, I, I give them an awful lot of credit. That's five wins in a row. They've really defended their home court very, very well. Uh, I'm sure Duquesne at the half thought that they had the Rams on the ropes, and uh, that certainly was not the case. I, I'm sure they're feeling good about themselves. They they did just about everything that they wanted to do in the first half. They used their size. They were physical. Uh, they took advantage of the fact that Langevin was on the bench and, and built themselves a nice lead. Uh, they were actually up 10 early in the second half uh, You know, before the bottom fell out. I, I look at Rhode Island, and I look at the way they played in the second half, and I think this is a team that's finding its identity, and it's the same identity that it had under Dan Hurley, and that's at the defensive end. Uh, you're looking at a team right now that's allowing barely 92 points per 100 possessions. Uh, Dan Hurley's best defensive team at Rhodey, was in 2014-15, they allowed a similar number. Uh, and, and if you're going to play that hard, that physical, that intensely at that end, we know this is a Rhode Island team that's a little offensively challenged at times, but that defense isn't going to go into slumps, and it's going to give you a chance to win every night. Well, here's the, here's the number. I, I should have threw it out right off the top. Second half, defense, Duquesne, 16%. 16%, 4 of 24 with eight turnovers. They're not losing any game. Yeah, good luck, Holding right? someone 16%. And right. again, this is a Duquesne team that, you know, I think we, we had serious doubts about as an undefeated Atlantic 10 team because uh, their non-conference schedule had an awful lot of holes in it. But, uh, you know, they don't stink. They're, they're going to win plenty of games. They're at 5-1 and one in the A-10 and, and have a chance to, to secure a, a bye in the A-10 tournament. Um, actually, I'll ask you: What did you think of Duquesne, and, and can they be a top? Can they be that you know four or five type team uh, at the end of the year? Well, good size up front uh, and reasonable depth. I, I thought Marcus Weathers played a really good game. Uh, fouled out with five minutes to go wasn't really a factor in the second half, but he posed some problems. Um, you know, Michael Hughes w- was sort of a non-factor in the game. Um, you know, flashed a little bit in the first half and then you know, sort of lost his rhythm in the second half. Uh, not a great night for Duquesne's guards, and I, I think that's probably you know where this game went off the rails for them. Uh, Sincere Carey was a non-factor, had three points. Lamar Norman is one for 11 from the field. He shot the ball really well in their previous game and went over Fordham. Uh, and Tavian Dunmartin was two for seven off the bench with five turnovers. Uh, you know, so not good backcourt play for the Dukes. Uh, and, and as we know, you look at Rhode Island, the backcourt has been their strength, will be their strength going forward. Uh, Jeff Doughton and Fats Russell, eight assists, no turnovers in a combined 76 minutes. That's about as good as you can do it. Impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, the three perimeter players for Duquesne held to three for 22. Good luck. Right. Uh, enjoy the ride back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's not going right. to cut it. No. Uh the Rams improved to thirteen and five, five and one overall. Uh, you know, this time of year, you always extrapolate what that means going forward. And, and you know, Bill, I, I think I tweeted after it that the Rams are playing themselves into at-large position. Yes. Uh, you know, there's a long way to go. Uh, I don't think they're in anyone's you know sixty-eight right now. 
but they need to be thought about because of this win streak and that they're beating the teams that they need, needed to beat uh, at VCU. Home Duquesne, those, those are two you know really important games they have in their back pocket now. Um, and now they're going forward up to St. Bonnie. And St. Bonnie is, is uh, I think, uh, you know, you've been there. I've been there too many times. It, it's the most difficult trip in the A-10 because you have to fly to Buffalo, and you can't fly to Buffalo direct, so you've got to connect to get to Buffalo. And then you have nearly an hour-and-a-half, two-hour drive to the middle of nowhere, and then all of a sudden this little tiny town called Ole in New York sprouts out. And uh, tiny gym, uh, the Riley Center, right? Correct. Uh, they... Needless to say, nothing to do in only in New York, so they draw well. And I guess if they show up at full strength, and there seems to be some doubt about that, uh, the Bonnies are good. They, they have two really good sophomores in point guard, Kyle Lofton and big man Osun Osunie. Very good. Wow, thank you. Very good. Uh, but big Osun has missed the last two games uh, with concussion, I believe. Concussion, correct. Yep. And, and the wrong two games to miss at VCU and at Dayton. Really yeah. tough places to be shorthanded. Now, probably with the exception of Toppin, I think he's the best big guy in the league. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Santo Silver at VCU will have something to say about that. But Osunye is long, can block shots, runs the court well. Uh, the Bonnies are eleven and two with him. Uh, so obviously, if he does not play on Saturday. Uh, against Rody, that that'd be huge. Yeah, uh, fourth best shot blocker in the country. He, he swats 16% of opposing attempts. He's the ninth best defensive rebounder in the country as well. Uh, grabs 30% of defensive boards when he's on the court. Um, you know, just a major problem inside. Inside a six ten guy who's very athletic, quick off the floor, um, gives them a, a dimension that that. You know, a lot of teams don't have, uh, you know, just that athletic big guy who can erase you at the rim and, you know, who can put it back at the other end. Uh, St. Bonaventure is incomplete without him. They're they a thin team. Uh, you know, they won't go much more than seven or eight guys deep. And, you know, the, the seventh and the eighth guy are, are sort of placeholders. They're not necessarily game winners. Uh, but they're excellently coached by Mark Schmidt. He, he's done a great job there for a long time. That's not an easy place to win. The fact that he's had them in the races in the A-10, uh, whether it's competing for the top four, pushing for NCAA tournament bids, uh, the work that he's done there has gained some recognition nationally over the last two or three years, and, and I think it's very well deserved. No question about that. Um, and I, I think I wonder if Rody said after the game that they made it pretty clear after their win over uh, LaSalle that they were looking forward to the Duquesne game because it was one of their most bitter losses of last season where they blew a big second-half lead. Mm-hmm. Um, last time Rody faced the Bonnies, it was a season-ending loss. So uh, did that come up at all post-game? Uh, not that one specifically, only only a little bit. Uh, the game that I actually thought back to was in the regular season a couple of years ago where you or I had won 16 games in a row. Uh, and hadn't lost an Atlantic 10 game in a, a full calendar year. I think it had been 366 days. Wow. Uh, St. Bonaventure was pushing for an NCAA tournament bid. That was a Jalen Adams team um, you know, that really needed a, a big win, and URI was that marquee opponent. Uh, at the time, and you know, they played a classic. It was a one-possession game that wasn't decided all the way until the end. The Riley Center was rabid I that night. That. Uh, sellout crowd. I think it was a Friday on ESPN2. Um, it's it's a very difficult place to go, as you said. Uh, you know, not an easy trip to Olean. Great fan base, uh, small gym. They always draw well for Rhode Island. It's a big opponent for them. 
so you got to figure that you know Saturday is going to be a difficult game for for Rody, uh, whether Osuni he plays or, or whether he doesn't. Um, and it's certainly another one that the Rams would like to put in their back pocket uh, as they start here with back-to-back games on the road. Osuni had a big game against the Rams. Uh, so the last time the two teams played was in the A10 semifinals uh, last year in Brooklyn. Correct. And, uh, he's the type of big guy who causes Langevin problems because he's a little bigger and is such a good shot blocker and, and can alter uh, and rebounder. Uh, he, he, you know, it's just a difficult matchup for anybody, but Cyril um, as well. Uh, and maybe the key is more Lofton, uh, a point guard who's really calm, doesn't get rattled. Uh, he'll have to deal with Fats Russell, really a high-end matchup. Yeah, Lofton uh, in that game had 23 points, 5 assists, 1 turnover in 39 minutes. So soon he had a double-double, 10 points, 11 rebounds, 4 block shots. Uh, Rody was playing their third game in 3 days, and, and that was where you noticed that the not having the double buy and having a short bench sort of popped up. Uh, you know, Fats was three for t- uh, three for fourteen in that game. Oh, for seven from three. Uh, they only had two guys in double figures. Actually, Langevin had a decent game, fifteen points, nine boards. Jeff Doughton had twelve points. Took him thirteen shots to get it. Uh, we you mentioned Fats Russell and, and the run that he's on. We should mention his nomination to the midseason uh, All Defensive Team. According to Naismith, uh, he's one of 15 players in the country to be named to that team. Uh, Jacob Gilliard, the the great uh, defensive guard from Richmond, was another of the 15. Those are the only two players outside of the Power Five and the Big East to be named to that list. Uh, Fats is leading the country in steals, currently steals per game. Uh, he's top 10 in Ken Palm in steal percentage hmm. by possession. Um He's completely been, deserving. He's just been super yeah. at both ends of the floor yeah, this year. I, he really has. I give the Naismith pe- uh, people a lot of credit. Uh, I think they're based, then actually not based at the uh, Hall of Fame. I think they're based in Atlanta, the Naismith Award people. And uh, usually it's, it's, you know, it's the lazy way. You just go down you know, the top conferences and, and you pick two per conference and you're all set. Uh, to overlook Fats Russell in this case w- would be would be lazy and an injustice so I, I give them an awful lot of credit we'll see if he can win it um i, I just kind of thinking out loud here that, that there's no like super dominant big man shot blocker who would be on that list so maybe it's the year of a guard the, the closest guy i saw to that was uh, a big guy named kyler kelly who plays at oregon state mm-hmm. um but otherwise the the guards on there were very very strong yeah there's no question yeah um so uh, we're going to switch to the Friars now, and actually we're going to stay with that a tiny bit. It was interesting. Uh, there were two Big East players on that list. Um, uh, top of my head, I got it here. Quincy McKnight from Seton Hall and Aaron Thompson from Butler. Mm. And uh, that was brought up on a conference call yesterday, and Ed Cooley was I, – I think he's – I forget the exact quote, but – Basically, he wanted to say that was an absolute joke, and I think that's what he said, that David Duke wasn't included in that. And, you know, uh, I'll go with that. I'll take David Duke over both of those two Big East guys who I mentioned, uh, but those two teams are in the top 10, uh, in the top you know, 15 anyways, right. and to the victor go the spoils, and that's what happens with an awful lot of these things. And, I, you know, David will have a couple more years to show that he's an elite-level defender. He, he's a different level defender than those two who I mentioned and Fats uh, only because he can guard multiple positions because of his size. I, I think the the biggest knock that 
the selection committee would have had against David is he doesn't really have the numbers. And, you know, that's one of those things where he draws the opponent's best scoring guard every night. Or, uh, or forward. Or, or small forward. Yeah. Um, you know, and the defense that he's playing, it might not show up in the box score in terms of steals or block shots or whatever, but look at his assignment and look at what they shoot. And look at how much less they might score in terms of points per game than their average. I, I think he's a better... Those are better indicators for David Duke. He's not going to do it in a flashy way, uh, a highlight-type way. He's going to do it in a very honest, blue-collar, hard-working type way. And I, I think back to a guy uh, from Dayton two or three years ago, Kyle Davis, mm. uh, was a smaller guard out of Chicago, a guy who had good steal numbers, not elite. It wasn't three or four a game. But there was one particular season where in isolation situations, one-on-one, opponents shot 18% against him. Uh, now, that's not going to show up in the box score. It, it's not going to be there, you know, ready-made, cherry-picked by a sports information director or anybody else. But right. if you watched games and you watched Kyle Davis, you knew he was an elite defensive player. I, I think David Duke is probably more towards that category. Yeah. No, it's interesting. He's, he doesn't even lead his team in steals. I mean, it, right. he's not a steals right. guy. Uh, you know, part of defense is ending in defensive possession with a rebound and mm-hmm. he's a very good rebounder uh, because he's you know six four six five and strong uh, but a- anyways maybe next year <laughs> right but um, the Friars are coming off a second straight win a loss against a top 25 team this time I think I finally saw the best team in the big East uh, Seton Hall 73 Providence 64. Uh, the Pirates moved to seven and0 in the big East uh, they're in the top 10 now they're in the ninth or tenth uh, in the polls, uh, tenth this week, uh, they get an awful lot. Uh, everyone knows about Miles Powell, one of the best you know guards, scoring guards in the country. But they have this guy who you have to see uh, if he's playing well. The Pirates are a Final Four level team. Romaro Gill is seven one seven two. In his uh, second year out of a junior college, he gets better by the week. Uh, dominated around the rim like few college big guys dominate because there's just not many defensive college big guys anymore. They all want to, you know, go out to the three-point line and and shoot threes and not be tough. And uh, Gill dominated against the Friars 17 points, six rebounds, eight block shots. Uh, He leads the country in blocks now, uh, is just a force inside, and... Uh, to Kevin Willard and his staff's credit, uh, numerous guys, I'm like, wow, that guy's gotten better. Wow, he's gotten better. Uh, a guy, Jared, Jared Roden, uh, had 15 points and eight rebounds. He was a, a role player last year, really not much at all. And then Tyree Samuel is an impressive-looking freshman. They just have, you know, they have their seven, eight guys, um, and things are rolling. When when you look at that team, and I know that's your first time seeing them in person this mm-hmm. year, but you know just watching them on TV so many times, the schedule that they played, how much that must have hardened them playing some of the teams that they played, the talent that they have at, at seemingly every position, um, it, it, they they just they look like the toughest out in the Big East mm-hmm. in, in terms of. If you want them to outscore you, they can. If if you want to get into a rock fight, they can win that type of game too. They have size, they have guards. I I, I don't necessarily see a, a weakness there. Do you? Yeah, I think their weakness is is offensively. You know, if Powell is kept in check, 
they have to win 70 to 65. Now they can do that because their defense is the best defense in the league. Uh, but, you know, you'd hate to run into a, you know, second round NCAA game against a team that can score 75 and you can't just because it's just not happening. Uh, they need to rebound the ball better. You know, Providence beat them off the glass the other night, uh, let up too many offensive rebounds, especially. Uh, I, I, again, the guy Gill is, is the key. He, he, he's the wild card. If he continues to get better, especially rebounding the ball. He, he doesn't have great rebound numbers. He's more of a shot blocker. But, uh, Bill, he, he finishes around the rim. He's a lob catcher. He's mm. got good hands. Mm. Uh, in, in the screen and roll, he just dives right at the rim, and they throw it up there. This, this, it's not happening. You know, we, we think Khalif Young and Nate Watson make a really good you know, center uh, you know, combination. It was like you and I playing center. It was, it was, it was Nerf, Nerf basketball dunk show for Romaro. He had eight field goals, seven dunks. Well, I know, I know the guy that we talked about before the start of the year was Ike Obiagu, the, the Florida State transfer. Uh, and Gillis just put him right on the bench. Obiagu only played seven minutes the other night. Yep. Gill got the other 33. Um, but I, I just look at that game for Providence, and, and you know, it's, it's one that. It's another one where they struggled from three-point range. They were four for 24. Uh, you know, offense for them at times is just hard. It, it's hard. not – you know, they in Rhode Island sort of have similar issues in that way in that they're going to run into stretches in, in games where it's going to be hard to score, and you would like to be able to throw it to a guy to make a three-point shot or throw it into the post for a guy to score. If you're playing against a seven-footer, he's not going to let you score at the rim. Uh, so it's on your perimeter, people, and you look at – what Providence's guard shot in this game? David Duke was 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, Malik White was 0 for 5. A.J. Reeves was 2 for 6. And I believe those two were early in the game. First half, yeah. Um, you know, so it's just such a struggle at times for Providence to score the ball. And it really makes hard work of these games, especially against elite opponents. Yeah, because the defense, you know, you're not going to get shots at the rim. You're not going to get runouts necessarily. You have to make shots. Four for twenty-four, as you mentioned, but you know, thirty-five, thirty-six percent for the game. You're not beating top ten teams, and you know the Big East is a bear. You know, uh, you know, Providence would love to have a couple layups somewhere on their schedule. It's just not happening. They're in a stretch where they may end up playing five top twenty-five teams in a row. Uh, you're not beating any of them, shooting thirty-six percent, and that's really where Providence is right now. Tomorrow, Saturday. Yet again, uh, they have the number nine team in the country, Villanova, coming in. It's a CBS game. I hear my friend Bill Raftery might be oh, in yes, the governor. Bill Raft. The governor could be, could be rolling through downtown Providence somewhere tonight. So if you see him, please go say hello. Folks, if you're on Federal Hill, keep an eye out for Bill Raftery tonight. Uh, there's a couple spots that Raft knows quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, go over. Uh, don't interrupt his, you know, pasta. Uh, but say hello. Tell him Kevin Max said hello, and uh, he will regale you with a little basketball fun because uh, there's no one uh, more fun and more entertaining than my man Raf. And Raf's not going home early, folks. Don't don't think that Raf's going to skip out at like you know ten or eleven o'clock. Either. No, no. Th- th- this is actually timed very well for Bill Raftery. One o'clock game tomorrow, mm. so it'll be a big Friday night. And then he'll skedaddle. He actually, he probably has a game somewhere Sunday. Knowing right. CBS, he might be on a, a little jetty uh, to the to the Big Ten country tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, we'll we'll see. But um, you know, Villanova, get ready. You know, batting down the hatches. It's a very different team. I'm actually writing my advance 
right now, you know, you, you kind of look at Villanova and you're like, hmm, they got a heady point guard. Yep. Well, his name's Gillespie, not Archie DeCono. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Arch. Ryan Arch, Ryan Arch to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, or Jalen Brunson. They have a man. really strong, you know, shooting forward. It's not Eric Paschal. It's Sadiq Bey, who mm-hmm. I just saw someone has him in the first round of the draft. He's a sophomore. Uh, that well, now he's the leading scorer in the star. Uh, you know, wing shooters. They've always had plenty of those. Now they have Jermaine Samuel up there from Franklin. It's just. Jade Wright has done a great job replenishing the system, but still playing the same way. And and that's why Villanova is Villanova. I'm a little concerned for the Friars here from the standpoint that we talked about this stretch of four games before it started. Creighton, Seton Hall, Villanova, and then at Butler. The Creighton game was one that I felt like they should have won. They had it on the table, gave it away in the last minute. At Seton Hall, very difficult game to win. At Butler is going to be a very difficult game to win. You're basically looking at Saturday as the one that you can salvage. And it's against a top 10 team. Right. And a team that's won two national championships in the last three or four years. And 11 out of 12. This this is really a tough spot for the Friars. And they've gotten themselves into a lot of trouble here. And I think it started with the game against Creighton. A game that, you know, looking back at the end of the season... They had sort of turned it there, having won five out of six and having played very well out there in Omaha. You had a career game from David Duke with 36 points. I think if you're going to look back and say it's it started to go south at some point, it might be that one. Yeah, no, the, uh, you know, this is the toughest stretch of the season. And, you know, depending on what happens the next couple of games, you could say, well, you know, they'll, they'll straighten it out when they get to, uh, you know, what? I guess it gets easier at Xavier at St. John's. Seton Hall at home. I mean, that's when it settles down. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess, you know, those are, quote, winnable games. Yeah, they're easy ones. But good luck with that. It's just the way it is. And any opportunity to grab a win, you have to take advantage of. And clearly at Creighton, they let one slip away up five with a minute and a half to go. Uh, but, you know, hey, Creighton hit a 25-footer and a 24-footer to win. Right. On their home court. So yeah, That's tough. You know, I it, Obviously, Providence needed to close that one out, but it's not as if they had four turnovers and didn't make a basket in the last five minutes. But, nope. um, but you know, that, that's life in the Big East. I, I think, you know, I'm ready to say at 11 and 9, you know, Providence is looking at a situation where they're going to be going to the Big East tournament. They're going to have to win the Big East tournament. They, they do not have an at large resume and, and won't. Uh, you know, people say, you know, what does their Big East record need to be? Well, they're four and three now, people. And, we can all agree that there's some losses left on their schedule. Uh, you know, could they finish? Yeah, what does it need to be? You know, fifteen and three could is they what it needs to be. Finish twelve and six they in the Big East. Out. Yeah, I guess so. But right. uh, you know, good luck with that. Beginning tomorrow, Villanova on your home court. And by the way, they still have to go to Villanova. Yeah, right. It's a tough game. Right. Uh, Seton Hall comes in here. Tough game. Mm. But uh, you know, so opportunities await as we as we've said with the Friars. But boy, uh, you know, there's just no let up in the schedule, and we've talked about their on-court issues. They're they're not going away either. Um, there is a big game tonight uh, in Rhode Island uh, with Brown hosting uh, Yale. Uh, Brown went to Yale last week, uh, lost in, in, a, in a pretty competitive game that that Yale had complete control over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, Brown was down double digits, but never really in position to getting blown out. 
and, and then kept battling. And in the last five minutes, it was it, it was a reachable game, but uh, Yale was was in pretty much total control all the way. Um, and now the rematch tonight. And you know, again, opportunity game for Yale uh, Brown. It's only their second Ivy League game. Uh, it's funny, uh, an impartial observer said, well, geez, after what happened at Yale, you know, that Brown can't win. Well, the last time we saw Brown at home, they shot the lights out against Rhode Island, and I guess that can happen tonight. And, and sure enough, that's really what has to happen because Brown did not shoot the ball well from uh, the perimeter against Yale, and, and they're, they have good guards. If they don't shoot the ball well, they're going to lose. Yeah, three for 21 from three uh, at Yale, 70-56 loss. Uh, Yale's a top-five team in the nation in three-point defense, and, and that's you know one of the areas of emphasis under James Jones. He, he does a wonderful job. Uh, that's been a good program now for a while. A uh, team that plays with toughness. Uh, has a couple guys on their front line who could play for anyone. Yeah, uh, Paul Atkinson and, and Jordan Bruner could be in anyone's front court. Well, it's funny. I, I saw them last week. I went down to New Haven, and I'm thinking to myself, that guy, that guy, and probably that guy, they not only would play at Providence, they'd start. I mean, Jordan Bruner would definitely start for the Friars. There's right. no two ways about that. I'd start for the Rams, too. Oh, and be, no and be one of the best players. No I, question. I mean, he's a 6'8", 6'9", guy who shoots threes and is strong. He can, you know, rebound, guard. Uh, Atkinson is their leading scorer. He's a like a crafty, undersized guy who knows how to play. Uh, and I really like uh, the shooter, uh, the wing from Brockton. Top of my uh, Azar Swain. Azar Swain. Azar Swain is right. one of those undersized guards. You're like, oh well, you know, he's not a point guard, so you know, where's he going to play? He makes threes, deep threes, right. and anyone would like to bring him uh, off their bench and and jumpstart an offense. Th- those three guys, I think, can play anywhere. And you know, to James Jones's credit, that they have the depth that a good winning program needs. And you know, they were in the NCAA tournament last year. They had Baylor serious on the ropes. It wasn't Baylor. I'm sorry. They had uh, LSU uh, big time on, on the ropes, and uh, LSU survived in the last minute. Mm. Uh, they have a type of team that could do that again. No question, because they defend. Uh, top 30 defense, as I said, a, a top five defense against the three. And you know, it's just become their identity now that you know they're going to play hard, and, and they've played in big games, and they've played in the NCAA tournament, and you know none of that stuff is too big for them. Uh, you look at the schedule that they've played this year. Uh, their losses, Oklahoma State, Penn State, at North Carolina. By three. By three. They could have won that game. Yeah, those are but, really, really but tough l- games. Look at their wins. They have, well, the numbers say that they, I mean, they have a better resume than Providence or Rhode Island. They beat Vermont, and they won at Clemson. Clemson. Clemson, yeah. who won against North Carolina and Duke back-to-back. They have one other high-end win uh, earlier in the year, and I think their net is in the 50s. Uh, uh, Ken Palm, they're 61. 61, yep. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of that is because of the defensive number, of course. Um, beat Stony Brook in overtime. We saw Stony Brook at the dunk. They've got some yep. talent. Good team. Um, you know, beat Siena in triple overtime. Siena traditionally a good program. Um, so James Jones, not afraid to schedule tough teams, not afraid to challenge his guys to play hard. And I, I really think that just that sort of ethic, that sort of identity, that that sort of you know, identifier with them. It's it, it's really carried through now over four or five years, uh, extending from when we saw them at the Dunkin' Donut Center, and they were one of the great 
breakout stories of that NCAA tournament that year when they beat Baylor. No, they've had a good run. Uh, uh, Yale, Harvard, and uh, Penn certainly look like the three best teams in the Ivies. Uh, and again, uh, fans can have a chance to uh, uh, see Yale tonight uh, at the Pizzatola Center. Uh, uh, Say hi to Bill Koch, because he'll be there covering for the journal. And maybe Bill Reynolds as well. I certainly hope so. The Hall of Famer, Bill Reynolds. That's correct. Yes. Uh, Bryant is uh, taking the long ride to Mount St. Mary's uh, after a a good win, good bounce-back win over Wagner last night in Smithfield. Uh, Snapped a four-game losing streak. Kind of gets Bryant pointed in the right direction. Uh, Ten wins, Bill, for, for Bryant. Uh, again, not off to the start that they're looking for in the NEC, but um, you know, a lot of games left to be played. Matches their win total from last season, and, and they've got plenty to go here. Um, you know, it was important for them to, to sort of get back on track. There were some curious results here. Uh, you know, obviously losing to Fairleigh Dickinson by four, Mount St. Mary's by two. You lost at Merrimack, a, a team that's really surprising they're so good. far in the NEC. We've seen them, I've seen them a couple times. They're good. They, hey, that's a team that had Providence down by like 12 in the first half. One at Northwestern yeah, early yeah. in the year. Yeah, uh, dangerous team. Um, uh, they've won six in a row, actually. They're seven and one in the league, Merrimack. Wow. Uh, you know, and, I, and they're not eligible for the postseason. Uh, which is unbelievable. How about if they win the league? Wouldn't win the regular season. Yeah. Uh, wow. you know, but so Bryant uh, you know, then loses to Long Island, who was the preseason favorite in the league. Finally got on track against Wagner on Thursday night, seventy nine fifty eight win. Uh, it was the usual suspects involved there. Adam Grant with 21 points. Uh, Charles Pride with 16 off the bench. He was 7 for 9 from the field. Uh, one of his best games in a little bit and maybe a little healthier now. He, he was battling a, a sore ankle, an ankle sprain, and uh, you know a sort, he was a little out of sorts for a few games there. But, you know, Bryant, as we've said, they're, they're much better. They're much improved from what they were. You know, last year, a couple of years ago, and you know, can still be a factor in that NEC race. They're they're two and four in the league. Um, you know, they've only played a third of the schedule. They've got twelve games left, and you know, starting with three in a row here uh, away from home, and you know, playing Mount St. Mary's, and then the Pennsylvania swing next weekend, Robert Morris and St. Francis. That those are tough trips. Yeah, Bryant's had a good chunk of home games here. That uh, again, they probably could have taken better advantage of. So now they go on the road. And end with a really tough, uh, excuse me, road schedule. So, um, you know, we're in the meat of it, uh, Bill, and we'll be back uh, next week uh, with uh, more Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast.